As I was sitting there thinking about the message today, all of a sudden my mind went back to a a time where I remember I was uh, mowing the backyard, and back then our mowers didn't have motors on them, the old rotary push mower, and Dad had had a rule, so to speak, that uh, on the appointed days, I was supposed to have the yard mowed. Well, by the time he got home from work. And uh, on this particular day, uh, I, I didn't have it done. And so I, I was out there, and I knew I was supposed to, but I was out there, and I just pushing, playing along. And he come flying out the back door. He just got home from work and grabbed the lawnmower out of my hand and said... Uh, and and of all the things my daddy ever said to me, I don't think anything ever hurt me so much or helped me so much. And what he said was, you'll never amount to a blankety-blank-blank thing. And uh, I thought, wow. I, I, it, for some reason, it just really hurt. And for some reason, I determined that regardless of what job I was on after that, whether it was working for uh, the county surveyor or whether it was uh, working for the state highway department or whether it was working for one of the contractors or uh, one of the engineering firms that I worked for, I was determined that physically uh, nobody was going to work harder than I did, and I just... I put everything into what I was doing. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, whenever they stop and think, well, what what makes one person succeed and, uh, and causes another person to fail? And in my mind, I had made up that if I work hard, I'll be a success. And... and In one manner of speaking, I was successful at the things that I was doing, but that didn't make me a success in life. And there are a lot of folks that are successful in whatever it is they're doing, but they're a failure in life. What makes the difference? If you could just use one word to describe the reason why some succeed and others fail, what would that word be? Well, for some of you, it might be the word work. That's what it takes, work. For somebody else, they might say, well, it's a matter of ability. You've just got to have ability. Somebody else might say, well, it's genes. I mean, it's either in you or it's not. You've either got it and it's been passed down to you or you're destined to fail. Somebody else might say, well, no, it's education. If you want to be a success in life, you've got to get a good education. I'm not against education, but I know a lot of people that are educated fools. Amen. That doesn't assure you of being a success. Somebody else would just shrug their shoulder and say, well, uh, I'd use the word luck. It's just all a matter of luck whether you succeed or whether you fail. I want to make a suggestion this morning. I vote for the word choice. Choice. Whether we succeed or whether we fail is a matter 
of choice. Now, you might be thinking, no, uh, Christ would be a better word. But remember, he comes by way of a choice. What Jesus did on the cross is of really no value to the person that has made the choice to reject Him. So our lives are a sum total of the choices that we make. That's why we need to make those choices with great care. We need to understand what's important and what's not. What are the most important choices we make? Well, number one, naturally, is going to be your salvation in Christ. Then there's going to be your selection of a companion, your search for a church, your service as a Christian. So we need to understand what is important and what's not. But there are numerous other decisions that we have to make. And I'm talking about things that daily somebody suggested that the average person makes over 1,000 choices every day. And so choices have consequences, and that's why we've got to be so very careful in the choices that we make. Now, I want you to notice here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Here we find Moses, just, I mean, right at the end of his ministry, the end of his life, with the people that he has loved so dearly. And here he challenges those people. Verse 15, he says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away, worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days." that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Now, when we look at this section of Scripture here, and Moses, as he addresses the nation that he loved, notice that he speaks about options. There are two paths, there's two possibilities, so there are options. There are opposites also. There's good and there's evil. There is opportunity in that they had a choice. They're not forced to take one road or the other. And then he speaks about outcomes. There could be life, there could be death. In other words, there can be prosperity, or they could perish. And then there is an obligation as he uses the word command. I command you this day. So I want you to think this morning about choosing choices And to understand that choices are crucial. One wrong choice 
can wreck and ruin your life, even determine your eternal destiny. That's why we have to take great care in the choices that we make. Now, we make different choices for different reasons. It might be a personal preference. That's just what I want to do. My decision, my life, I'm going to live it my way. But it might be for popular opinion that you would even deprive yourself of what you prefer in order to fit in with the crowd and to do what they desire. It might be a, purely a matter of pleasure with you. It might be pressure from others. It might be profit. It might be, well, it might be problems in your life that cause you to make a certain decision that, well, later on you're liable to regret. So there are all of these factors involved, and we make those decisions sometimes without even being aware of the factors. I'm talking about somebody says, well, I just decided on the spur of the moment. I made a snap decision. But there are factors that enter into that. So we could be correct to say that our choices are actually constructed. They're constructed. They are built. They are affected by something else. But but I, I just want to remind you what a great privilege it is to be able to have a choice, to think that God made us that way. Now, I realize that there are those that would tell us that, you know, God being a sovereign God, which He certainly is, that God has decreed that there be certain people that believe and certain people that will not believe, and that their eternal destiny is already settled in heaven regardless of what they you know, would do. I'm glad God gave us a choice. We can choose this road or that road. We're not like robots that have been pre-programmed to go down a prescribed course, but rather we have a choice in the things that we do. Now, there are things that we can't change. There are things that we can't control in life. Things that we are forced to face, but even then, we can choose how we will respond to those things. And our life is going to be made up of those choices that we make. The Bible's full of examples. You know, we reap what we sow. Whatever the choice is, there are going to be consequences to it. And we look all the way back to the book of Genesis, and there came the choice that he made. Terrible choice. He realized that later on, but it was too late. I think about Lot and the choice that he made, and Esau, and I think about, I think about Samson, the choice that he made, Saul, who lost his kingdom. I think about David and the choice that he made. Those are just a few of many that could be mentioned. Now, all of those people, no doubt, at some point in time looked back and thought to themselves, I wish I had made a different choice, but it was too late. Now, I want you to consider four things that will help you make wise choices. At least they should. Because it's one thing for me to look back here through the Bible at, you know, at Cain and Lot and these others that have made miserable choices and to look historically at what happened to them but it's, a, it's another thing for me to make it personal and think about how it will affect me. In other words, we ought to learn from their mistakes. 
General Schwarzkopf some years ago spoke about every man being his teacher and that some of the best lessons that we learn in life are learned from the failures of others. And that's so true. The first thing that I think we need to think about is the regret of poor choices. I bet every one of us here this morning can think back in time to some moment where you made a choice. You made a decision to do something that that you regret now. We look back and we wonder, how in the world could I have been so stupid to do something like that? And there's some folks that are still suffering from the choices that they made way back 20, 30, 40 years ago. And you're still paying for it in some way or another. You did something that you can't undo, and now you're being forced to live with the consequences. You can't change the past, but hopefully you'll learn something from it, and that'll help you to improve your future by making and improving you know, the choices that you make. Because if you make the wrong choice, it's going to produce regret. And regardless of how much money you have, regardless of how much popularity you gain, regardless of whatever else you do in life, if you are tormented by regrets, you're going to live in misery. Make choices that will not produce those horrible regrets that you have to live with later. But then... There's another word that comes to mind, not only the matter of regrets, but the matter of responsibility. Responsibility in making wise choices. Just because we have the freedom to choose doesn't mean we have the right to do as we please. Somebody says, well, you know, God made us with the freedom to choose, and so I choose this and that, you know. If God didn't want me to do it, why, He shouldn't have made me the way He did. No, no. God enable us to make choices and he holds us accountable for the choices that we make. And one of our main problems is that too often we want to we want to blame our choices on problems or circumstances or people. We try to escape that responsibility, but we can't. We don't have anyone else to blame for the choices that we make because basically we are the result of the choices that we make in life. We're responsible for our conduct whether we accept that or not. God holds us accountable for our actions. He holds us accountable for our attitude. And we can't escape that by blaming someone else. The so-called comedian Flip Wilson become famous for his statement, well, the devil made me do it. You can't blame the devil. You can't blame your wife. You can't blame your husband. You can't blame your parents. They might affect you in some way, but it's always your choice, your decision. Now, think about this. You may choose, and you must choose. You must choose. Because there's, there's no middle ground. There's no neutrality. Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. I, I mean, it's e- either this way or that way. It's one of the, there's no such thing as not choosing. You say, well, I'm just not going to choose. You just did. You just made a choice. And the choice you make 
will determine the consequences you experience. So if we want to improve our life, if we want to avoid regrets, if we want to, if we want to avoid the things that will torment us, then we have to improve our decision making. And that all goes back to this matter of having the proper belief system. In other words, because how we behave is determined by what we believe and what we value. Somebody that has absolutely no understanding of the Bible, they're going to end up making wrong decisions all of the time. So we have to settle on the foundational truths of life. Everybody has a worldview. We hear a lot about worldviews today, and for good reason. Everybody has one. And if we have the proper worldview, it's going to be based upon what God says. And we're going to know the answer to those fundamental questions in life concerning, for example, the reality of God and the infallibility of the Bible, the deity of Christ, and on and on that list goes. Things that we would refer to as the fundamentals of the faith, these these are landmark reference points and things that you must know in order to make the right choices in life. That means that, that we have to study God's Word. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to stand firm on what we know is true. And to do that, we have to surrender ourselves to God because the strength is not inherent within us to be able to make the right choices. Even when we know we're about to decide on something that is wrong and something that is harmful, we do it anyway. We cave in because of the weakness of the flesh. And the only way for anyone to live successfully, to make the right choices, is for them to surrender themselves unto the Lord. So we need to think about the matter of regrets. Think about the responsibility that God's going to hold you accountable whether anybody else does or not. But then we need to think about the reasons for our choices. And, and probably every parent here can think of some time in your life where you've said to one of the kids, why did you do that? What made you do that? Uh, that's really a good question. And we need to understand why we make decisions. Uh, sometimes we make decisions, you know, for the wrong reason. It might be to fulfill a sinful desire. It's just something that we want to do because, let's face it, there is pleasure in sin. Now, it's only for a season, but there is pleasure in certain sins. So to fulfill that sinful desire, some people will sell out to the devil. They'll cave into temptation and go the way of the world. It might be to please somebody else. You want to please them. You want to make an impression. And so consequently, you make a choice that is based upon what somebody else wants you to do instead of, instead of really what you should do or what you even want to do. It might be it's not so much about impressing someone else. It might be to retaliate against somebody else. So you make a choice. You feel that they did something that was offensive to you. They hurt you in some way, so you're going to retaliate. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's your philosophy. And you make choices dependent upon that. You might do it to escape some difficulty. At least you think you are. 
You think, well, life would be a whole lot easier if I just cheat on my taxes. Well, it works pretty good till they catch you. And there's a price to pay for that, by the way. It's called prison. Amen? Some people, in order in their mind to make life easier, to escape some difficulty in life, I'm going to make choices that will, you know, ultimately uh, make life easier for me. It might not be that at all. It might be that people make choices just to draw attention to themselves. You see, these are all wrong reasons for making choices. And we need to understand what motivates us sometimes to make the choices that we do. And every person here looking at the things that I just mentioned, every one of you would agree, well, that is a stupid reason to make a serious choice. And yet we turn right around and do it anyway. If not for one reason, for the other. And boy, we're making it really good until somebody cuts us off on the highway and now we want to retaliate. Somebody calls us a name and now we want to go to Fifth City. You see, we think we've got our act together until the pressure is on and the devil says, look, it would just be a whole lot easier on you if you would make this choice or that choice. And that's why instead of making wrong choices, we've got to make wise choices, wise decisions. In other words, we have to make choices based on what is right and what is best, and right is always best. That's the manner in which we have to make the choices that we make in life. So that means we have to know the truth. We have to let God's Word be our guidebook. Because whenever we make a decision that is contrary to what God's Word teaches, we're headed for trouble. Sooner or later, one of the principles, unchangeable principles of God's Word is that we reap what we sow. We sow to the wind, we're going to reap the whirlwind. We sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap, and we're going to reap more than what we sow. But yet there are those that go ahead and do wrong even whenever they know that it's wrong with no consideration for the possible effects. And that's why Solomon said, Ponder the path of thy feet and let all of thy ways be established. Ponder the path of thy feet. In other words, think before you act. Look before you leap. Ponder. Sit down and think about where this decision is going to take you. And we have to think about then the results. We have a great responsibility. And there are several reasons we make decisions. Good decisions, bad decisions. But we need to think about the results. Notice verse 17 and 18. He says, But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go and to possess it. Now here he's telling them that the choice you make is going to have an influence on you. And we need to think about that because 
We need to ask ourselves, if I make this choice, is it going to produce an inward peace? Is it going to bring joy? Is it going to make a better relationship between me and others? How is that choice going to affect you? Secondly, how is that choice going to affect others? Look at verse 19 and notice these two words. And thy seed, thy seed. In other words, the decision that you make is going to affect the future generation. We're responsible for how our attitude, how our actions affects other people. And the problem is too many times we live with total disregard for how our behavior is going to affect others. Truth be known, in the case of many inmates that are in prison today, that they ought to be accompanied there by their parents because their parents made decisions throughout their lifetime that led those children down a wrong path. Now, the person himself is responsible for the decisions that they made, but they came under the influence of parents that made one wrong decision after another, and so consequently, Consequently, the children followed right along. Your choices will affect other people. I, I don't have a right as a husband, as a, as a father, I don't have a right as a pastor to make choices that are going to have bad effects upon my wife, upon my children, upon you as a congregation. I, I don't have that right. Regardless of what I want to do, regardless of what others are telling me to do, regardless of what difficulty I might be able to avoid, I don't have a right to make a choice that's going to have an ill effect upon other people. It's just not, it's not my right to do that. And it's not your right to do that. But most of all, folks, we need to think about how our choice is going to affect God. Look at verse number 20. He says that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey His voice, and may, mayest cleave unto Him, for He is thy life and the length of thy days, and thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and to give them. This is the ultimate test. What does God think about your decision? Does it please Him? The choice that you're about to make, will it please Him? So many times people, you know, will get in one of these so-called gray areas. Oh, preacher, I don't know what, should I do this? Should I do that? I'm not, I'm not sure what to do. And they call it a gray area of life. Well, my advice is, if you're in doubt, don't. Amen. If you're in doubt, don't. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. God's not the author of confusion. God leads us clearly if we're willing to listen to Him. So the ultimate test is what does God think about this? Will God be glorified as a result of the decision that I'm about to make? And that question ought to, ought to govern everything we do. I think about Joshua later on as he is involved with with this same nation. And he says in chapter number 24, Choose you this day whom ye 
will serve. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. The message of our text today is the same message. Now think with me. This is the very same message that was given to the same Israelites. That first generation of Israelites at Mount Sinai recorded in Exodus chapter number 19. And if you go back and read it, you'll see they're at the very beginning of their journey on their way to the promised land. God basically told them exactly the same thing. And I mentioned that to remind you of this. Some things never change. And this is one of them. What Moses was saying to them is still true today. And just as they had a choice, you have a choice. And you'll choose either one or you'll choose the other. You are free to choose. Thank God for that. You are free to choose, but you're not free not to choose. You're not free not to choose. You're going to choose. There's no doubt about it. And verse 20 says here that He has commanded us. In other words, in the right way, we have been commanded. And notice in verse 15, 16, and 18, He uses this two-word phrase over and over and over again. He says, this day, this day, this day, God commanded you, this day, God has instructed you, this day. In other words, God demands an answer and He wants it right now. And it's a serious mistake on our part to think that we can delay and get by with it. You call that presumption. And when you look in the Old Testament, there was no sacrifice for the sin of presumption. These people that reason, well, I know that what I'm about to do is wrong, but, but after all, the grace of God is sufficient, and all I've got to do is just go back and confess it to God later on, and He'll forgive me. You're presuming upon something. You're presuming upon God's forgiveness. Now, it's true that when we sin, if we truly seek forgiveness, if we repent of our sins, that God does forgive us. Thank God for that. But God's not going to forgive you whenever you're just simply doing that in order to escape the punishment or the consequences of the choices that you made. You're presuming upon God. I'll just go do whatever I want to do and it's going to be all right because God is so merciful why he'll just overlook that. Well, you're playing with fire and it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now notice verse 19. And this shows us how serious this subject is. God wants an answer. He wants it today. But notice he says that he calls heaven and earth to record this day against you that's a serious statement i call heaven and earth to record against you this day i want an answer i want it now and god means business he, he wants an answer he wants it right now so the question is what would God have you to do this morning? 
What is it that God wants you to do? You're at a crossroads this morning. And God is urging you to choose life instead of death, good instead of evil. What are you going to do? Now, believe it or not, to an extent, I know God's will for your life. Well, you say, well, how in the world could you know what God wants for me? Well, because I read the Bible. And if you read the Bible, you'll discover that I'm right. For example, God wants you to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here today and you're not saved, you don't know you'd go to heaven if you died. God wants you to be saved today. You say, oh, but I, I'm of a different denomination, you know. It's a, like one fellow told me who was a Catholic, and he said, it's against our religion to change our religion. And, and I took the Bible and I showed him some things the Bible said, and I said, now is this what the Bible says? Yeah, that's, that's what it says. I, uh, is the Bible the Word of God? Yeah, the Bible's the Word of God, and that's what it says. Is that okay? Is that, what, is that what your religion teaches? Oh, no, that's not what we teach. What if you believe the Bible is true, and it says one thing, and your religion says another thing, why in the world wouldn't you change your religion? And his answer was, well, it's against our religion to change our religion. Look, if that's the way you feel, you've got the wrong religion. Amen. Amen. God wants you to be saved today. You're a, you're, and I use this as reverently as I know how. You are a fool to walk out of here today knowing you need God and rejecting Him. God wants you to be saved. Not only that, if you've been saved, God wants you to be baptized. I don't have to wonder about that as a command. That, in, in one sense, is your first act of obedience after you've become a Christian. There might be someone here today, you made a profession of faith, you know, a month ago, six months ago, whenever it was, but you've never been scripturally baptized. So there's no question. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to ask Grandpa about it. You just need to do it because that's what God expects. Not only that, God expects you as a Christian to be united with a good Bible-believing church. Now, it might not be this church. This church, you know, is, God obviously doesn't want everybody to be a member of this church. I don't know why, but... Uh, <laughs> but churches are different. People are different. We live in different locations. But wherever it is, if, you, if you're here today and you know... I, I'm just sure of one thing, that this is not the church where God wants me to be. Don't come back next week. You find out where God wants you to be. You find out where you ought to be, and you unite with that church, and then be faithful to that church. Be involved in its ministry. Study the Bible and pray. You see, there's so many things that the Bible tells us to do that we don't have to think about or pray about because the Bible has already told us what God expects. God is saying, this is what I want, and I want you to choose this day. So how are you doing so far in the things that I just mentioned? Have you been saved? Have you been baptized? Are you a faithful member of one of the Lord's churches involved in ministry, studying the Bible and praying and all of those things? How are you doing so far? 
Now, let me tell you, the list can go on and on, by the way. You say, well, boy, I'm, I'm flying high right now, Pastor. I think I've got all of the boxes checked. I'm really doing good. Really? How about what the Bible says about loving your enemy? How are you doing with that one? Or when the Bible says, bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So how are you doing now? You see, that's one of the things that troubles me is some folks week after week after week attend church. They're nice people. They even tithe. They support the church. You can depend upon them to be there to say something encouraging when the service is over. And yet, if the truth be known, they are failing in regards to all of those latter things that I just mentioned there. Loving their enemies and blessing those that curse them, doing good to those that hate them. They're making a failing grade in all of that. You need to be honest about that, folks, because God knows the truth. And the question is now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Uh, this morning, sitting at my desk, and I tried, to, I tried to put myself in Moses' sandals. I tried to, I tried to look at it, you know, as a pastor... He had just been with them for 40 years. I, I, don't, I don't know that God's going to give me 40 years or not. It's been 53 preaching and 32 going on the 33rd year here as the pastor of this church. So I, I have no idea. I'm just taking it month by month and seeing what God does. But I know one thing, one day the time's going to come that I'm going to be where Moses was. And I'm going to know in my heart that this, this is the last message. This is the final time. And whatever I say, I want it to be something that is going to make a difference in people's lives. That's where Moses was at, folks. He's not just preaching to get through a service. He is pouring out his heart. He is burdened. He is broken. Because he has seen the proclivity of those people in years gone by. He knows what they're like. Their basic instincts and their how they are by nature. He knows they murmur. They complain. Nothing's ever Boy, I got a whole lot better congregation than he had. Y'all are so sweet and so wonderful. But I'd be a fool to say, as much as I love this church, to say, boy, we've got all the boxes checked. Everybody loves their enemy and they're doing good to those. No, no. We all know that's not true. You know it's not true. The question is, what are you going to do about it? And it, it's just as important now as it was back then. He says, your, your life is at stake. You want to live, he says, then you choose that which is good. You want to die, choose that which is evil. I, I don't know where you are exactly in life. 
If you're not saved, you need to be. I know that. And if you've been saved and you're a member of the Lord's church and you're checking all of the boxes about that, but you're having some real issues, real problems in these other areas, the question, what are you going to do about it? Look, you don't have to tell me what it is. You don't have to come up here and say, well, preacher, I just want to confess. I hate old brother so-and-so's guts. I never liked him from the beginning. I, I don't want to be around him. You don't have to tell me any of that. You don't have to say a word to me. But I want to tell you, you're making a bad, bad choice if you walk out of here today just ignoring that need in your life and pretending that it doesn't exist. You're playing with fire. God says, I want an answer. I'm calling heaven and earth the record against you. I want an answer this day, right now. I expect you to respond. And he says, notice, choose life. Choose life. And you choose life by choosing that which is good as opposed to that which is evil. So the question is, what do you choose today? Joshua said, "Is for me and my house. For me and my house. See, they made up their mind what they were going to do. They made the decision that they were going to serve God regardless of what anybody else did. And that's the place every one of us needs to get to. If nobody else walks down the aisle and falls on their face and repents of their sin... I'm, I'm going to get things right. I'm going to walk out here today knowing that all is well between my soul and my Savior. Would you make that choice today? While we stand, heads bowed. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the greatness of your concern for us. And Lord, as an earthly father of eight children... And thinking about the needs in their life. Thinking about the difficulties that they face. Thinking about the factors that are trying to pull them away from the path of righteousness. It just breaks my heart to see Satan get a victory in their life. And yet, Lord, I know at the same time that you are so much more concerned about us than we could ever be about our children. And Lord, I thank you for that concern, that, that concern that is so great that if we truly repent that you're willing to forgive us. Not only willing to forgive us, but to restore the years that the locust has eaten and, and to bring back the, the vigor of our youth and the strength that we need and to give us victory instead of defeat. And I pray today for that person that is lost, that they might be saved. And Lord, for those that, that are your children, they've been saved, they're going to heaven. But boy, they've made some bad decisions, some wrong choices. And right now, even, they regret that. And right now, they're suffering consequences from it. God, help each and every one of us to do everything in our power to make those things right while we have the opportunity this day. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. While we stand as we sing this morning,
God speaking to your heart, would you come? Come on. Just